Chicago. Hello, welcome to another episode of Bridging Chicago. I'm Leona Kuhar, your host, and our guest is Leslie Vickery. Leslie is a marketing expert and the CEO and founder of Clear Edge Marketing, a full-service Chicago-based marketing agency specializing in talent and technology firms. She is a co-founder of ARA, which stands for Attract, Retain, and Advance, a group focused on attracting, retaining, and advancing women in technology. And she frequently speaks at various events on that topic. Leslie is part of the Women Business Collaborative Staffing Leadership Council and a member of America Staffing Association's Women in Leadership Interest Group. In 2015, Leslie was inducted to University of Illinois Chicago's Entrepreneurship Hall of Fame. She has also been recognized as one of Chicago's most compelling innovators and entrepreneurs and was named one of the Enterprising Women of the Year. Leslie is a frequent guest and host of The Edge, an executive women in recruitment podcast and contributes to publications such as Recruiting Daily and Entrepreneur. She is also a part of the Lady Leaders Book Club, who together wrote the book, Together We Rise, an inspiring book, compiling the true stories of 15 passionate, diverse women leaders. Leslie, welcome to Bridging Chicago. Well, Leona, thank you so much for having me. It's wonderful to be here with you today. Well, we're so happy to have you. Um, I'd like to start out just by talking a little bit about yourself. I understand that you are originally from Michigan. Mm -hmm. And so can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what originally brought you to Chicago? I understand that very early in your career, you came to Chicago. So if you could tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Thank you. And I, so what I would say is, yes, I'm from Michigan. It's funny because you, I guess where you're born and raised a lot of times, it just feels like home. So even though I've been in Chicago for over 20 years, I still think of um, Michigan so fondly. And in fact, just in a couple of days, I'm headed back to Mount Pleasant, Michigan, where I went to um, college uh, to spend some time on a board that I serve on there with the Central Michigan Business School. I grew up around different places in Michigan. So my parents divorced when I was really young, so around six months old. And we lived in different areas of Michigan. I went to school partially in Grand Blanc and then ended up moving up to the Saginaw area for high school and then graduated, went to Central Michigan, as I mentioned. And I have to admit, upon graduation right away, um, my dream was to move to Colorado. So I actually left Michigan. And I remember my dad saying to me, you know, why why would you ever want to go anywhere else? There's so much here in, mm -hmm. in Michigan and Michigan does have so much to offer, but um, I really had my heart set on going to Colorado. And shortly after getting there less than a year, I moved to Chicago and ended up getting a job at McDonald's Corporation and their internal communications department. And that's really what, what ended up bringing me here. I, I wanted to be closer to my family. My sister was about to have her first child, my niece, Gabby who gosh now is 23, 24, and wanted to just be closer to uh, family and move to Chicago for, for a wonderful opportunity. Okay. 
So then you eventually formed Clear Edge Marketing. Um, what, what led you to that? Sure. There were a lot of twists and turns, I think, on my journey. So we, we often wonder, um, one, I get asked quite often, did you always want to be an entrepreneur? And the answer is no. I actually always wanted to be a writer or a journalist mm -hmm. and studied journalism and PR and broadcasting in college and did not have any intention of starting my own agency. As I kind of went off on my own and found my way through my career, I one, waited tables right out of college, which I knew I didn't right. want to do forever, but it really opened my eyes to great opportunities and networks and connections. Um, but I ended up getting work in internal communications and nonprofits, uh, work in marketing communications. So from junior achievement and other wonderful organizations, kind of learning more and more about the intersection of marketing communications and the power of what marketing can have to really transform a business. And as I grew up in my career and realized broadcasting wasn't really for me, however, writing and telling people stories and, and getting out there really, really was. And then finding a way to really transition that into marketing. So what ended up happening for me, Leona, I went from you know a large company to nonprofit, back to large companies, publicly traded, running marketing for the global organization, the technology division. And we went through so many mergers and acquisitions. And quite frankly, I was offered a job, but I had to move to Atlanta. And if okay. I stayed in Chicago, I'd have to find another job. So I decided to stay in Chicago, try another company, a wonderful technology company, but what I realized early on was that while they were competing with the bigger players, they really didn't invest in the same way in marketing. Okay. And quite frankly, they weren't really investing in growth the way that they should, whether it was new product launches, sales, uh, new markets that they were entering and marketing. So across the board. And that was really my entrepreneurial light bulb moment to say, well, you're competing with the big players who don't really have deep pockets or budget for marketing. What if you took my salary as the head of marketing and the rest of the budget and outsourced it? So in a way had kind of that fractional CMO, but for those really fast growing companies, yes, they need the strategy, but they also really need the full execution. So that was kind of my light bulb moment of, gosh, I should start an agency who focuses okay. on these rapidly growing companies who may not have the deep pockets that the bigger companies have, but they're still competing and find a way that they could actually get that strategic level thinking and full execution just on an outsourced basis. So they didn't have to worry about the overhead and all of the other things that came with marketing. They could outsource okay. it and, and get that full function. So that'll be 16 years ago in June. Okay. And one thing I found very interesting in doing a little bit of research about Clear Edge Marketing, when you started the company in 2006, correct? Correct. You started it with a, a virtual um, remote model yes. for your employees. And yes. that was basically unheard of at that time. So, Very much so. <laughs> so what made you do that? Um, at that time, it was really inventive then. And I mean, look where it is now, you know, it just, it, it really was um, impressive to me. So what gave you that thought process? You know, it's, it's interesting, Leona, at first when I started the company, and for one, I didn't think twice about it. I lead with trust and location. 
did not matter to me. I knew I needed to recruit the best talent regardless of where they were located. Okay. And the best talent I had worked with were people I knew and trusted. And I really wanted to have them on my team. So if they happen okay. to be in, let's say, Florida, where a former company was headquartered, or one of my writers at the time was actually based out of um, Paris and mm -hmm. then moved to Germany, I did not care where she was located. She was the best writer I knew. And I really needed to have her you know, on the team and on the journey with me. Yes. Now, starting the company, um, I actually had come from a really strict corporate background. So okay. growing up in business, it was always, you know, who's at the office first, who's leaving last okay. or first, depending on how you looked at that and who's working the most. And are you connecting when you're at home? It really was a grind and it really was the beginning of finding you know, you really didn't have that much balance, so to speak, in, in what you're doing. It was just fighting, fighting, fighting to work, 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 and people measuring and judging you for the amount of work you did and the hours you put in and so forth. Um, I knew at the outset that that wasn't the type of company I wanted to have. Okay. So for me, it was an opportunity to hit reset and say, what's most important to me in a culture and starting the company and my own health and wellness, which of course is talked about so much here today, but then also with other people. So it just turned into this model where we were able to help people at a time where today it's much more common because right. of the pandemic and people changing things, but it could be, um, you know, a leader on my team who has a special needs son, her company not giving her the flexibility that she needed and okay. in order to take care of him. So knowing that she could work with us in various capacities and keep rising in her career um, to make that happen, but work in a flexible environment or you know, people who needed to take care of their aging or elderly parents and wanted to work part of the time in Florida and part of the time in Boston so they could split the time with their families. And I just kept saying, okay, like, yes, that works. No problem. Yeah. I really didn't say no to great talent because I knew we needed their talent. And what it ended up doing in turn was creating one of our core values, which is inspiring loyalty and really having people be loyal to us and our culture and our company and referring other people in because they saw the loyalty we were sharing with them. So it was ahead of the time. It doesn't mean it wasn't without its challenge. Right before this call, we actually did our all hands meeting and we had, you know, over 60, nearly 65 people, you know, on the call. And now at this size, we have various people in similar markets. I'm doing a local happy hour today with some people in Chicago. Um, you know, we, we just find ways to take the virtual out of virtual. And sometimes that is meeting in person and other times it's really creative ways in a, in a virtual environment, but we've been able to make it work from day one. And it's something that has created, I, I believe a really special and unique culture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's helped you, helped you to retain top talent, I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, can we talk a little bit about Aura? Um, I know that you helped found that organization. Can we talk a little bit about, about that? Sure. So ARA stands for Attracting, Retaining, and Advancing Women in Technology. I co-founded it with two of my very best friends, Megan McCann and Jane Hamner. And really it stemmed from, I'll go back a little ways. Uh, all of us kind of grew up in the technology industry, both in talent and 
technology, so staffing, recruitment, professional services, software. Uh, and we had noticed a lot of our friends um, leaving the technology industry when they started having families. So it could be due to unfair work environments or just mm -hmm. different situations that led them to feeling like they couldn't be successful in tech. Um, however, fast forward before that. So let's say that was, you know, gosh, now almost, I think, 10 years ago, um, the three of us were at a dinner in Chicago. It was a technology dinner. And we were one of the only women, and let's say there were 130, 140 people at the event, maybe five women in attendance. And we quickly realized when the dinner ended, and at the time you could smoke cigars and everyone went to the bar, they were drinking scotch, bourbon, you know, whatever the drink of choice was and smoking cigars. And we just kind of looked at each other and felt like we didn't really belong um, okay. in that in that place. And we decided to then start an executive women in technology dinner. And that has been going on for almost over 15 years now, where every quarter we get together with different women. It's over 350 women strong, obviously it was put on hold during the pandemic. Um, what came out of that was a lot of women saying, we would like the up and comers on our team to also attend. And then we decided, gosh, we never had mentoring programs growing up in our careers. Wouldn't it be great to offer that so women could see they're not alone in these situations? When you feel like, gosh, I'm the only female on a team or I'm the only mom on a team and you have no one to talk to or turn to, because a lot of times women don't keep up their networks, wouldn't it be great if we could create something that enabled them to really see technology as a wonderful place to be and give them the guidance to understand how they could thrive in the in the industry again by knowing they're not alone. So we started ARA originally with the premise of mentoring. It ended up turning into events across the U.S. We've had over 6,000 people who have either been mentors, mentees, or event attendees um, over the years, and it's something that we're you know extraordinarily proud of. It's led to a lot of awareness on the DEI front just around workforce readiness and companies actually being ready to have women on their teams and technology and things that need to change within culture and environments to make it a welcoming and, and great place for us to thrive. Um, but it's it's truly made such a difference in so many lives of, of women and ours included um, that we're, we're really proud of, of what it has turned into. Do you see it as an organization that's going to continue to grow like it has in over the years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the pandemic slowed us down a little bit. However, yeah. we did launch some very intentional and purposeful um, events during that time. And actually what it enabled us to do is not have location uh, limit us. It allowed us to become more virtual in nature. So we were able to open up the ARA community across the U.S., and really grow that. And we have some really strong partnerships in Chicago, Chicago Innovation being one, Innova mm -hmm. with our ShyWitCon event, um, ShyTech Academy with uh, just the organization in general, IC Stars, same thing, Black Women in Science and Engineering. Um, so we've kind of turned it into, yes, we're going to continue growing, but we're also going to keep growing and fostering those partnerships so we can help other underserved communities as well. So I'd like to move on to um, the book, Together We Rise. Um, I was able to read a good part of it, and I have to say it's, it is truly inspiring. Um, oh, so 
I know that you co-wrote the foreword and you also um, uh, wrote a chapter uh, called Be the Change. And one of the things that I found really um, inspiring to me, at least, um, in the foreword was the quote you used by Serena Williams. So the quote is, um, every woman's success should be an inspiration to one another. We're our strongest when we cheer each other on. What made you choose that? You know, the intention, and thank you, by the way, for the feedback on the book. And I know we'll talk a little bit about how it came together and so forth. Yes. When we looked at the theme overarching of the book and Together We Rise and women coming together to support other women, it just sat with us in such a positive way to say we have to be there for one another. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of us had experiences growing up in our careers where women weren't there for us. And right. even my own mom, she was a, she ended up putting herself back through school and becoming the CEO of multiple credit unions. And she has sat in on plenty of ARA events and has read the book as well oh, and participated really cool. in other, other things. But she said to me again recently, uh, she attended an event with Chicago Innovation and ARA and the uh, Women Business Development Center. And she said, I didn't have anything like this when I was mm -hmm. growing up in my, in my career. And I really wish I had because you know, you often feel alone, like I mentioned before, with the creation of, of ARA and our executive women dinners group. Um, oftentimes you internalize or change jobs without saying anything or just don't use your voice to speak up. And unfortunately, a lot of times we have felt like women have holded us, held us back. And it's just unacceptable to think, well, we're trying to advance ourselves and women of all people should be there to support each to other support. to do that. Right. So it just felt right to use that quote and to underscore the theme of the, of the entire book of women helping support each other. Just to backtrack a little, when you said that your mom was at some R events and that has to be, feel so good to have your mom there. It and I does. know that in the chapter that you wrote, you referenced the strong, um, the strong women that you had in your life. You know, you mentioned your mom, your grandmothers, and um, I think that's just wonderful that your mom's able to see this. Yeah. So just to backtrack a tiny bit again, um, I the the book Together We Rise was is written by the Lady Leaders Book Club. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. How did the Lady Leaders Book Club come to be? Oh, thank you. And I, I'd be remiss not to show. So hopefully whoever Well, can. of course, I have it here as well. So I feel like it's all it's like attached to me. It's become a third hand here um, with me. But, uh, you know, it's interesting. We so I do a lot of work, as you know, around DE&I, not only in technology in Chicago, but also in the recruitment and staffing industry. And a good friend of mine, Joyce Russell, who was the president at the time of ADECO, um, North America is now the president of ADECO's U.S. Foundation. She was launching her own book called Put a Cherry on Top. And mm -hmm. we were headed to a conference in Miami for one of the national associations. And I was hosting a dinner for her after the opening reception. We were all going to Soho House in Miami for a wonderfully planned out dinner. Um, mm -hmm. Picked 15 people to join us to celebrate Joyce. And what's interesting, Leona, is some of the people had never met. 
So I really wanted to think about curating the dinner and who would be, you know, people who had to be there because they're huge fans of Joyce and other women who I felt like it'd be great to get them there to rise them up and get them some exposure and just friends of mine as well. And um, literally it was a Friday, the dinner was supposed to be on a Monday and that Friday the conference was canceled. So the dinner to celebrate the pandemic canceled due to the pandemic, Mm -hmm. March 2020, And we decided to do a Zoom call like everyone else was doing at the time, quickly figuring out what technology could we use and and so forth. So we jumped on a Zoom call and had Joyce share her book. We made sure everyone had copies of the book and signed by Joyce and really listened to her story. And during that time, someone said, we should launch a book club. Now, this is still in, you know, March April 2020, where no one really knows what's going to happen. You had women who were new CEOs who were, um, you know, managing global corporations, some publicly traded. You had women in transition who were recently laid off. You had women who were just starting new companies, women in various stages personally with things happening in their lives. And we did everything we could to band together. And for us, it was creating a book club. So it started by inviting really well-known authors to come speak to us on different topics. Um, But we also created offshoots of it where we would bring in industry leaders to talk to us about managing during a downturn. Um, Mm -hmm. We'd bring in M&A specialists. We brought in um, DEI specialists. Um, We were meeting quite regularly when George Floyd's murder happened, and we all just were there for each other. It was something we looked forward to and knew we had at least once a month um, to be there to support one another. And we cooked together. We brought in a chef. We worked out together. We did virtual facials together. We did business together. We supported some of these women didn't even know each other. They did not. They had never met in person. So we had an author come who said, this is an incredible story. You all should write your own book. And we, like we did with the book club, everyone literally hands down, we're like, yes, we should write a book. Now we had no idea what we were getting into at the time, but we decided to write a book and really share, as you know, by reading the book, the individual chapters and the collaboration, there are each of our individual stories. Yes. The whole book isn't about the book club but it's about a group coming together to support one another, which you read about in the foreword and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then you can see a thread throughout each one of our stories, just about the importance of, you know, rising up those around you and being there for each other during, you know, turbulent times. And, and that was really the outcome of the book club for us. Mm -hmm. One of the, in reading your chapter, um, I did notice um, that, you really focused on one of the things that is important to you is creating a network, finding your voice and using it. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. How did I, you've mentioned a network several times so far, and I obviously know it must be very important to you. So how do you form a network and how important is it? Well, you know, in reading my story, it started at a young age, um, creating that network. So just leaving my house after graduating college, a simple connection can be part of your your network and your community. And having at that time, leaving my parents' house, my home growing up and um, just simply being handed a phone number of someone to call if I needed anyone and then needing to lean on that person. And then leaning on other people throughout 
my career really and asking for help and not being afraid to ask for help, really accepting that help and then giving that help when other people's need it, you just naturally start to form a network. And one of the things I'm most known for is really being a great connector and bringing mm-hmm. people together. And the book club is a great example of that, just finding and curating people to do that. But the reason it's so important to me, and again, throughout my story, I do talk about that, is it really can change your life. So unfortunately, a lot of people get connected to me when they're going through a transition and they'll say, yeah, I've been the president of this global you know, company or the CEO, but I never created a network. I just worked all the time, and which is great. They had a wonderful career. But now when they're in transition, they don't have anyone to turn to. They're starting from scratch, basically, and building that because most of their networking connections were from within their own company. So it's really important to think about. And, you know, listen, I own multiple companies. I have a family. Um, I travel a lot for work, do a lot of, you know, different things. It is hard to find the time to do it, but it's Mm -hmm. really important to find the time to do it. And it doesn't have to be at night. It can be during the day. It can be virtually, it doesn't have to be in person, but it's so important to think about that network and connecting. And then just the the using your voice perspective. Um, One, there's a a great book called On the Rising Theme, um, How Women Rise. And it talks a lot about the characteristics that hold women back. And one of them is that we often can create a network, but we don't take advantage of it. And what that means is, you know, asking for help that kind of give, get uh, mentality. What can Mm -hmm. I give to the network? How can I curate that? Then not being afraid to leverage it or take advantage of it. So that's an example of where you can use your voice to ask for help and ask for business and ask for referrals and, and really get that. And when people know, like in my case, that it's coming from the heart. It's coming from a really great place. It's not a selfish ask. And they know that more than likely I've done something for them already. And I'm not doing this for them just to get something in return. They know that it's really meaningful in the way that we build our networking connections. Um, you, You should be able to say it has helped you as well. And that you can go back and name story after story of how you've helped mentors, mentees, different people throughout your career who may lean on you whether it be within your company or not, but you've got to curate, create it and take advantage of, of that network for, for good for yourself and for the community that you serve. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, little things like helping with sponsorships for associations you may be related to or helping nominate people as speakers, whatever that may be, you can leverage that network if you have it, but if you don't have it, it's really hard to give and to, to help others. Um, I'll use a quick example on the using your voice. If you'd like to, I can share from the the book. Um, I talk about Robin Mee, who's also a, uh, an author in the collaboration and, you know, early in my career and you've read it, um, in the chapter, I talk a lot about the importance of finding confidence. And for Uh me, finding my voice was really an effort of finding my confidence to use my voice, to be able to do shows like this here with you today, Leona, and put ourselves out there to tell our stories. It's so important to find the confidence within yourself and and use your voice to speak up for yourself and then also speak up for others. And it was a lesson I learned, um, you know, early on in my career when I started Clear Edge, I was had to do a conference again, a conference story that I was sponsoring. And I was a new CEO, kind of struggling a little bit with 
with imposter syndrome, walked into the opening reception and here I see a group of people and, you know, I knew one person in that group. So I went up to the group and kind of stood next to her and it was Robin me. And I, you know, immediately I'm in my head pumping myself up like you're meant to be here. You own your own company now. This is a good thing. You know, you've got a lot to offer and get Mm -hmm. into this conversation. And a male CEO within the group, so let's say it was around 10 people standing in a circle. Um, After the opening reception, there was a pool party that a sponsor was hosting. And he looked at me and he said, "Um, Leslie, will we see you in your bikini at the pool party? And I'm sitting there thinking, first of all, I had I was in shock. So right yeah. away, and you know, we talk about imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is interesting because it's something that you put on yourself, but it's also a lot of times what other people put on you. So here you allow people's own insecurities to come into your world. So I built myself up. I'm talking to this group. I'm sponsoring this event. And then next thing I know, he says that to me. And right away, I'm like, I don't belong here. This isn't right. I can't believe it. You know, it's one of those situations where after you think to yourself, I wish I would have said, or I I should have definitely said this. And unfortunately, I didn't know what to say, but Robin did. Robin jumped in right away and she supported me. And it was a really interesting lesson for me because one, I knew when something like this happened to others, which it does all the time, microaggressions, harassment, different things happen that, you know, we all witness, unfortunately, and they can happen. And we have to use our voices to be there to support the people who maybe don't have the voice to say something. And it doesn't need to be rude and off-putting. It's just, you find the right thing to say to someone, but we have to use our voices for other people. And I, I learned it in that instant. And then I also realized I needed to find my own my own voice. And I shared another story, Leona, in the book that you um, that you read where I finally had a situation where I had I was recently newly pregnant, was out on a coffee meeting, and I had a mentor of mine say, Oh, you know, Leslie, you you're gonna close your business, right? you know, basically like you're pregnant now, how could you possibly have a family and run a company? And in that moment, for one of the first times, I was able to think of something and use my voice on the fly. And I basically just said, you know, listen, you run your own company, you have a family, how did you do it? Maybe you could help mentor me. And it was an opportunity to say something like the see it, say it moments and to feel confident to say something. I was in that moment. I said something. It wasn't offensive, but I could see the look yes. on his face like, oh boy, yeah. I probably shouldn't have said that. And yes, you so can with the company. Do you think, that, now this was after the incident where Robin yes. stood up many for you. Ago. So many, do many you think ago. that that particular instance helped you to build more confidence when someone steps up to the plate for you? A thousand percent. It, yeah. it helped teach me, one, to use my voice for others, and two, to use my voice for myself. And the other thing is we put so much pressure on ourselves. Had I not thought of that in that moment, I could have still followed up and said something. Right. You know, it doesn't have to be in that moment necessarily. But, but it was so timely. It was so perfect. I was like, oh, yeah. my gosh, I actually have something to say. But there's, yeah. you know, listen, Leona, I don't know if you experience this too, but there's no shortage of moments where we can, we see something and can say something, whether it be for others or ourselves. But it did take me some time 
to find that confidence and know that I needed to use my voice for the greater good around me. Mm -hmm. So how did the process of being involved in writing the book, Together We Rise, and being involved in the editing, how did that personally affect you? It's such a great question. It it was emotional. Um, you know, I can talk about marketing and business and entrepreneurship all day long. No problem. Throw me on a panel. Give me a keynote. I have no issues with that. I'm so passionate about the topic. Documenting. And uh, through Aura, I do talk a lot about my background and my experiences and struggles with confidence and imposter syndrome and so forth. But I had never really put it in writing publicly the way that I did in this case. So yeah, you were you were digging deep in there. Yeah, we it's and it's yeah. interesting. So myself and others, we you know, you have deadlines that you have to hit. And we Michelle Prince, who it was Prince Publishing, helped us. She runs this beautiful workshop where you really do start to break down your life and it makes it easy to kind of visualize how something like a chapter or a book could come together and, and why people would find it of interest. So that piece of the process was okay. We all got together virtually and in person for this, this workshop. And it was the first time I said out loud certain things about my background, even um, talking about little Leslie or the visioning, you know, exercise of letting Leslie go and know mm-hmm. that she's okay and she's protected. Um, it was really hard. I, I will say I stopped the presses at print and had my family actually read it and say, okay, how do you feel about it? I just, you just get in your head and you start to second guess or question things. And then you realize, no, this is exactly why you're doing this. It's for other people and it's to make a difference for them to see and hear and read that they're not alone, that maybe they've experienced something that if it's my chapter or anyone else's chapter, I can't imagine any person putting it down and not being able to relate directly themselves or to someone in their lives to relate to it, to be able to say, I feel that I can see it. I got a lot of text messages, phone calls, emails from the other authors as well. We, a lot of us struggled with it, putting ourselves out there. It was definitely a process, but once we were finally done and, you know, hit send on the file and knew it was ready to go and got the PDF, knew it was at the printer, it was a, actually a really nice sigh of relief. Yes, Um, I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that from the Lady Leaders Book Club, um, like another group kind of formed um, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Group. Yes. And yes. tell us a little bit about that. Sure. That was what I had mentioned earlier when yes. George Floyd's murder happened. Again, it's during the pandemic, and a lot of us just felt like we wanted to do something, but we weren't sure what to do. Mm-hmm. We knew we had to do something. So I got together the group of lady leaders and then just expanded it into other people to say, okay, you may be running DEI for your company. And my agency, we do a lot of crisis communications. We write a lot of messages. We do a lot around DE&I. So we were very busy helping our clients throughout the pandemic and then all of the riots and everything that was happening. Mm -hmm. Um, We were helping our clients. So I felt like, gosh, there's... I can see that a lot of people don't know what to do, what to say, how to react. And by doing nothing, you're unfortunately saying something. 
And we wanted to, again, empower people to say, listen, there is a great community within our industry of people who, one, are doing things and taking actions and are willing to share, even with their biggest competitors. They're willing to come together, take all of that off the table and just say, we are here to help and make change. And there were a lot of people, like I mentioned before, in new roles who were either heads of DE&I or CEOs or just people there who needed help. They weren't sure what to do. And by kind of forming this group and bringing them together, it was really an effort just to say, again, kind of the theme, one, connecting people, and two, you're not alone, and three, if mm-hmm. we don't make change, um, who will? And we really wanted to make sure we made change. I had heard a speaker once talk about this happened after um, George Floyd's murder. He said, well, we have a couple of weeks, basically, where we're going to see this in the headlines. And then inevitably, something else is going to happen and steal the headline. So your moment of time to make change is really a short window. So take action now. And I coupled that with starting to read about the statistics from the World um, Economic Forum, where it would take around 136 years to see equality and well over 200 years to see pay equity, any kind of financial equality. And I kept Mm -hmm. thinking, why? Why? Why are we going to keep allowing this to happen? It can't, we can't just hit reset every two weeks. No wonder it's going to take so many years for us to find equality. We have to do something and be really purposeful about change and not just have meetings to have meetings, but share resources. If it's a job description, if it's a policy, if it's a sample communication or a town hall meeting, and you decided to put something out, what did you do? How did you do it? What was the reaction? What did you learn from it? And how could we take advantage of that? So that's really where it stemmed from and still is going very strong today. So that again is about networking and using your voice. Correct. Very grassroots effort. It's not very well organized because I organize it on the side, but it's a wonderful group of people. I can't imagine um, that not being well bit. organized. That's okay. Um, but it's uh, it's very purposeful and done with the greatest of intentions and is really making a, a difference for, for people, which is, which is great. It's our intention. Yeah. Um, so now the Lady Leaders Book Club wrote one book. Do you see another in the future? Oh, for sure. It's interesting. You asked that, Leona, just a couple of weeks ago, um, Michelle Prince, who I mentioned published the book, she was hosting a book workshop and several of the lady leaders went and they're all now writing different collaborations, writing individual books. Uh, But I definitely see a second book in our future. It's, you know, we're making um, just, it's not that we had low expectations of what could come out of it, but you know, initial proceeds are going to fund a scholarship for um, women in our industry to mm-hmm. attend events and really rise up. And we're seeing kind of the fruits of that now with the amount of book sales that are happening. And it's just inspiring us to keep going and keep thinking yeah. about, you know, what's next? What else can we do to make a difference for that next generation? The people yeah. who, you know, I think of my grand, my grandparents, my mom, and you know, in reading the book, you know, one of my grandmothers was an entrepreneur and running children's clothing stores, and the yeah. other was told she couldn't work. So it was this interesting tale of two women at a time that, if you think about it, wasn't that long ago. And right. then I've got my mom and listening to the, you know, challenges she went through in her own life and career, um, which again, wasn't that long ago. And 
a lot of my mission and what I'm trying to do, and I know a lot of the lady leaders, is just how can we make it a better place for those future generations? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Leslie, it was just a pleasure talking with you today, and I hope that we can reconnect soon. Um, We're always happy to have guests back. Um, But in, in closing this up, what, like, you, you, your book offers a lot of advice to, you know, not just women, but men can also, you know, benefit from the advice as well and the stories. Um, But what would be the most, I, I think there's probably a lot of things, but like the top thing you would say to um, help inspire, help raise up other women in the entering into the business industry. Yeah, thank you. It's so hard to boil down into one. I can thing. imagine. Oh, I have a lot to say on this topic. So I'll say, um, I'm going to actually give you a perspective from an individual person and then a giver, an ally. So from the person, my dad gave me this advice, which was to look in the mirror and to love who you see back. Mm -hmm. And I always think I don't always see in myself what other people see in me. It's that whole confidence thing. So to an individual, know you are enough, put yourself out there and um, find what is at the heart of you maybe not being confident and really work on that so you can be, you know, and, and give to others, but enjoy um, your life in the fullest capacity and not think down about yourself. So be your best champion at all times, whether it be in your personal life or at work. That's first and foremost. From an allyship standpoint, what we all can do, men and women alike, is really the rise up other people. So like I mentioned, you're either a connector, a doer, or a giver in life. And giver can be financially giving, giving of your time, um, different things. But find ways to rise up the disenfranchised if it's, again, opportunities like being on your podcast. You have a great forum. You're in a position of power to be allies to people, to get their their messages out there, but also to just give them those opportunities to share what they have to say. Um, So speaking opportunities, podcast opportunities, if you're in a room, if you see something, you have to say something um, for sure to use your voice to power and enable others to use their voices. If you know of a promotion, if you know of a board seat, whatever that may be, if you are an ally and in a position of power, use it to help rise up other people um, because it's, it's the best thing that you can do regardless of who you are to help rise up and make change for other people. And it's wonderful advice. It truly is. You know, use use what you have to put things out there and to help others, definitely. Absolutely. Well, Leslie, thank you so much. And I would, again, like to recommend your book highly to all our listeners. It's a wonderful book, and I hope that everyone will uh, get a copy because it's it's a wonderful read. And it, it really, um, really touched me. It really, truly did. That means so a I lot. appreciate that. Thank you. And thank you for what you all are doing too. I really appreciate your podcast and highlighting thank other you. people. Just thank you for the opportunity to that, have me on. That is definitely our purpose um, with Bridging Chicago is to let other people um, like to hear their voices and to share it with others. So that is, that's our objective to tell other people's stories. So we're happy to do that. And again, thank you so much, Leslie, for joining us. 
Thank you, Leona. The opinions expressed in this podcast are not necessarily the opinions of SATC Solution Center, SATC Law, or any of its employees. This podcast is created by the hosts and guests' individual capacities. All opinions on this podcast are or have been rendered based on specific facts under certain conditions and are subject to certain assumptions and may not and should not be used or relied upon for any other purpose, including but not limited to or use in or in connection with any investment purposes or legal proceeding.